Welcome to Backstage Pass Podcast, where we step behind the curtains of Bible women's stories and learn more about God, the Master Director. Let's get started together. You are listening to the U-Turn Bible Study Podcast Series, nine episodes about women of the Gospels who encourage us to turn our faith into a mighty force for God. The first four books of the New Testament of the Bible are called the Gospels, and they are named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are approximately 12 named women and at least 17 stories of singles and groups of women. Their messages are reaching out to us millennia later. And when their stunning defeats are turned into spectacular legacies, they cheer us on to victorious faith. For two charts that list these named and unnamed Bible women, please go to www.marlenehauk.com. That's M-A-R-L-E-N-E. H-O-U-K dot com. Hi, this is Marlene, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to episode one of our U-Turn Bible Study podcast. We'll step behind the drama of gospel women's stories to hear their messages. So, find your Bible Grab your pen and paper or a device to record your thoughts and notes. In this introduction, we'll discuss an overview of these women and their importance in the most read book of all time, the Bible. But, even more importantly, to you, we'll talk about what that means to your journey of faith. As we introduce the women of the Gospels, we'll notice three things that we identify with. Number one, we can identify with gospel women in their many roles and experiences and emotions, just as we do with other women in our modern everyday lives. Number two, we can absorb spiritual wisdom by immersing ourselves into their stories. Number three, we can find God's messages that are shouting to us from the silences in our lives. These are three things that we can learn in the introduction to the U-Turn Bible study. Hi, this is segment four of the first episode of U-Turn Gospel Women Bible Study. The first eye-opener that we can realize about these women in this introduction is that we can identify with them. Their stories are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What makes us identify with other women? What makes us enjoy them and click with them and and just enjoy that saying that says, she just gets me? Well, the thing that makes us identify with other women is that we have things in common. I remember when I brought my first baby home from the hospital and she was such a precious bundle of joy. She was a miracle and I wanted to do the best I could. So I called my mother-in-law and ask her some questions about newborns. I can still hear the smile in her voice today as I remember what she said 30 years ago. Well, I haven't had a 
baby in 35 years, but what's your question? (laughs) I identified with her because she was a mother, and I knew that we had that in common. The gospel women we can identify with because they are very similar to us. They were old, young. They fulfilled the typical roles of women, such as having babies. They were married. They worked. They had careers. They served others. They worked for the Lord, and they served Him. There were good women, and there were women that made very poor choices. They questioned their life circumstances. They affirmed their beliefs. They connected earthly life with eternal concepts. And we need to listen to them because they gained much wisdom through this. There were only two named women in all four Gospels, much like there are very few internationally famous women today. These were Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene. Their stories are cornerstones in our journey to faith. Many of their names' meanings were positive, such as us today. They traveled. This seems to be a theme among women of the Bible, and it has a great spiritual parallel. There were six of the twelve named women, and it records their travels in the four Gospels. Listen in again as we go to eye-opener two about the introduction to Gospel women. The second eye-opener that we can think about when we think about an introduction to the gospel women is that we can view their spiritual wisdom, and then we can absorb that into our own lives as we immerse ourselves into their stories. The first eye-opener was identify I. The second eye-opener starts with the letter V, I-V, where we can view their spiritual wisdom. When we think about the gospel women, we think about the wisdom that they have. For example, they are speaking to us through what they did, and we can glean wisdom from what they did. For example, they traveled. Many of the gospel women traveled. They traveled with Jesus in his ministry. Uh, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, traveled to see Elizabeth when she realized she was pregnant with baby Jesus. So what does all this traveling, as it occurs over and over again in the Gospels, what are are they trying to tell us? It reminds me of the Great Commission, the spiritual parallel to physical travel, where Matthew 28, 19, and 20, God tells us to go. Jesus says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. And he goes on to tell us how to do that. So when the Gospel women travel over and over again, we can understand that what they're trying to say is women, wherever you travel in the world, whether you go to the grocery store or you go to Ireland or an, um, a third world country, take the gospel with you. So we can glean wisdom from what they did, and then we can find wisdom from their position in the gospels. If you look at the charts provided on my website, MarleneHauk.com, you will realize in the chart of named and unnamed women that most of them are, are, their stories are told in the book of Luke. Well, what do we know about Luke? Well, he was a physician. He was one of the Apostle Paul's fellow laborers, and he was with Paul during his last imprisonment. He wasn't a Jew, but he was a Gentile. So he speaks to us. Gentiles are all the people that are not Jews. He was probably a Greek, which was a Gentile. And so that's very, 
significant to us because we can look at these women and know that we can relate to them. There were five miracles of healing of women in the book of Luke, and two of them are unique to him. The widow of Nain, her son died, and Jesus raised him from the dead, and the healing of the woman with an infirmity in Luke thirteen ten through 17. The other three were healings also, Simon, Peter's mother-in-law, Jairus' daughter, and the healing of an afflicted woman in chapter 8. What does this tell us? Luke is a physician, and Jesus tells us to be like him. So Luke, as a physician, was pointing all women to the great physician that could not only heal their body, but could heal their soul and their spirit, which was eternal. So we can glean wisdom from simply the women in the Gospels as, as to their position. Many times in life, just where we're at, we're at the right place and at the right time to share the gospel. And God arranges that so you can glorify him. The third thing that we can learn about women in the gospels and the wisdom that they have is we can just garner wisdom from what they said. What they said, we can say too. Mary said in Luke one thirty eight, be it unto me according to thy word. I can say that. I can say, be it unto me, Marlene, according to the word of the Lord. John eleven twenty seven. Martha says, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. I can say that too, and I believe Martha's telling me to do that. She said, Marlene, please say, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. In Mark five thirty three, the woman with the issue of blood, why, she told Jesus everything. That is so important to a woman's health, both emotional and spiritual, as that she has an outlet for her fears, an outlet for her insecurities and her doubts. And that is that she can be like the woman with the issue of blood. She can tell Jesus everything. So we can view and absorb spiritual wisdom from the gospel women in at least these three ways. Next, we'll be talking about how we can learn from the silence, the big, long silence that happened before the gospel women appeared on the scene. The third eye-opener in the introduction to women in the gospels starts with the letter Y, and it stands for the word yield. This is so important because we can yield to God's messages that are actually shouting to us from the silences in our lives. And gospel women, simply by being where they're at, prove this. Between the Old and the New Testaments, there were 400 years of silence. God did not speak directly to any prophets. It's not recorded in the canon of the Bible. And yet... There are gossamer, web-like connections between the Old and the New Testament that are fascinating to explore and discover. During these 400 years of silence, there is a definite message in the silence. There's, a, there's an incredible connection in the silence, and there is a voice in the silence that, that speaks to us. First of all, there's a message in the silence. These women in the Gospels were placed in the Bible after 400 years of hearing nothing official from God. 
from the last book, Malachi in the Old Testament, to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, there was a time of 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 a desert of starvation for a word from God. Then in Matthew chapter 1, there are five women that burst on the scene that are named in the genealogy of Christ. And it is amazing what their messages are. And one of the messages is that they were five women that were either labeled by society as in a negative sense, such as in the Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she was found out to be pregnant before marriage, official marriage. And then the other women, such as Rahab, Bathsheba, Tamar, and um, Ruth, had cultural reputations that were viewed negatively by the the cultures that they moved to, or else they'd made poor choices in life, like Rahab. Or perhaps they were between a rock and a hard place like Tamar, and it didn't look good at all for them. And that was one of the messages God's trying to tell people through the women of the Gospels is that God can redeem the worst of situations and bring his glorious light to it and make it all work for good. The last named woman in the Old Testament was Loruamah, the daughter of Jose, the prophet, and Gomer, the harlot. She symbolized the spiritually adulterous nation of Israel. Her name means not pitied or not have mercy. Well, guess what? The first named woman in the New Testament was Tamar, or Thamar. She was the daughter-in-law of Judah. He lied to her and promised to give his third son to her after she became a widow from his first son. And he did not. So Tamar decided to play the harlot and had a son by him. And she almost got killed in the pro- in the process. This is an echo of Gomer who was a harlot. What a powerful way to connect words of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There are connections in the silence. Women in the Old Testament are in groups just like women in the Gospels. There are, um, there are many women in the Old Testament, like um, even Sarah and Hagar, that was not a comfortable union. <laughs> uh, Leah and Rachel, the daughters of Zelophehad, and Job's three daughters that were born after his great trial. The women are grouped together. They have characteristics just like the women in the New Testament. They have the same roles, the same emotions. So there are gossamer threads of connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In that, there are connections in the silence because uh, Jesus is working. God is working. There was preparation for the coming of Christ during that 400 years of silence. This isn't a, a, a reason for the silence, but proof that, that there is a purpose to the silence. Prophecy was fulfilled. Many of the events during the 400 silent years fulfilled Old Testament prophecy, such as the Greek and Roman empires that took over the land of Israel, mentioned in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. The 400 years provided a, a position of waiting, and as we all know, waiting has its own benefits. It makes us greater women of faith. It helps us to, fo- it helps us to focus on God. It deepens our relationship with Christ. 
Uh, and there are examples of other connections between the Old and New Testament, such as words. The word touch, Eve twisted in the Garden of Eden and, and, and dragged its, this word through the muck and the mire of her pride. But in the New Testament, re, you read of Peter's mother-in-law, and it includes that word and the idea of touch because he touched her by the hand and raised her up. Jairus's daughter, he took her by the hand, and um, and then the other lady that was, he he uh, held her hand and helped her to be healed. There are definite there are connections between the old and the New Testament in the sense that the geography is the same, the law is the same, God is the same. There and then the third thing we can learn from the silence is that there is a voice in the silence. Are there times in your life when God seems silent? Take heart, dear one. He is not. Look for him. He is there in your silence. How can we know this? We can look at some Bible verses that help us to understand how God is working in us through these silences. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I can trust God in the silence. Hebrews 11:11 11, 11 says, "Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised." We can judge God faithful on the basis of his promises. In Romans 15:4 it says, "For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We can take heart from the examples of others in the Bible and we can trust God in the silence. John fourteen twenty six says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. We know that we have a comforter and a God in our silence. And last of all, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. During the silences of God, we can know that He is changing us into His image. Thank you for listening to this episode in our podcast series, U-Turn Bible Study, where gospel women join us on our journey of faith and help us to turn our viewpoint of life into the victory of faith in Christ. Be sure to share this podcast with friends. Join us next time as we step behind the scenes of gospel women's stories and discover transforming truths.